Welcome to Business Works. This is Hal Alpiar along with Johnny Stites. Uh, we are here today to share some information with you about the elevator pitch. What is it? Why? How? How does it work? What's the form of it? How do you create one? We're going to talk about that uh, because it fits every business. And the term refers to how would you describe your business in the amount of time it takes to go up in an elevator or down in an elevator. And depending on how many stories the building is, I suppose that's uh, how long it would be. But the point is it needs to be short and sweet. If somebody says, well, what do you do? What's your business? I say, I am a creative consultant, coach, author, a specialist in growing and developing small business and professional practices. I work with clients in person and uh, by telephone and email to get results. Many hundreds of businesses with record sales and, and personal results. That's kind of quick and to the point. Johnny, you, you have one. You've 45 years in your family business. Uh, I'm sure you have a few of them that probably <clears throat> change over time. In our business, we, we had a motto, which is we build relationships. And we really work that hard as a part of our culture. We look for ways that we could develop a relationship with people that we work for, understanding that if we didn't do that, we'd just be another number out there and they could go get somebody different on their next project. And I might interrupt just to say that, by the way, Johnny's talking about a family construction business. So this is not a... Uh you know, a lawyer's office or something. So building relationships, if you think that's a little foreign for somebody who's in construction, uh, you're wrong. <laughs> At least the, the, the proof of what uh, Johnny has built uh, kind of sets that apart. Well, the industry as a whole has a horrible reputation. We're known for not coming when we say, not doing what we say, not finishing when we say. Going for donuts when you set up in the house and ready yeah, to <laughs> Not finishing, not charging what we agreed to charge uh, and overcharging people. And so the industry is terrible. We just wanted to dis make ourselves distinctive by focusing on the client and how can we make the client delighted. That was the word we were looking for. So if people ask me in the elevator, what do you do? I said, we build relationships in construction. We try to build relationships by making sure that the people could turn to us for their design or for their construction, and we can handle both of them for them so they didn't get finger-pointing from the designer to the contractor and then back to the, from the contractor to the designer, which happens all the time in construction. And we handled all that for the owner and would take responsibility for all of it. Um, I, I, you're reminding me of a quick story. I had an addition put on a house once, <clears throat> excuse me, and it involved uh, two construction guys who were going to do the whole work. It was a 16-foot square kitchen or something, I, something like that. Um, and they showed up on the day that they said they would be there. They put out little barricades along the driveway. They They put all their tools out. They ran wires all through the yard and into the garage and different places. They had shovels stuck in the dirt. They had the cinder blocks, a couple of those laid down. And then they said, you know, we're going for lunch. And I, you know, what do I know? Okay. So, and they came back. It was about three days later. <laughs> <laughs> in the interim, I began to realize the little game they were playing. So I took all of their tools <laughs> and all of the material they left 
and I locked it in my garage. So when they came back, they had to confront this. And I said, this isn't going to happen again. Or I'll find somebody else. Your tools have been safe. Here they are. Let's get to work. And, you know, it, sometimes when you, you own a home, you're the boss of it. And a lot of times people can come along and just kind of take control. Um, the, the reputation that Johnny's talking about still unfortunately exists in construction. But to say that you are invested in building relationships, that's a really important thing because it doesn't matter what business you're in. It comes back to help you. The elevator pitch is a way to start that ball rolling. Um, well, the elevator pitch is a way that you can um, tell people in a very short time what your uniques are, what makes you different as a company. Why should they not expect you to not come when you say, not do what you say, not finish when you say, not charge what you promise, any different than any other contractor? Right. And we unfortunately— uh, is I don't think that people in construction are necessarily dishonest. They're just terrible planners. They're terrible schedulers. So they work from crisis to crisis as a general rule. We didn't do that because we realized that every time we move from one job to the other, it costs money. And so we would take a job, finish the job, and go on to the next one then. Right. Well, the, you know, this, this elevator pitch thing, by the way, this came up because we, besides a, a number of examples I could think of recently uh, with clients and others I know uh, came to the surface that this is something that was missing. People were not doing this, and, and they were not sticking with it, and you really have to do this. And I and then on top of it, there was an article by uh, AMAC, which is the uh, Association of Mature American Citizens. It's kind of the, the conservative uh, uh, opposition, if you will, to or competitor to AARP, um, and they have a small business solutions program and section that they run uh, for people who are retired and want to go back into business or who are in business past retirement age. And so this is one of the things that they focused on, and it kind of brought it all up to the surface for me. An elevator uh, pitch is a persuasive, concise introduction. It gives whoever's listening to it, a solid idea of what your business is about, your product, your service, or whatever, you know, in just seconds. Uh, I understand that sometimes people use this for dating. I don't know about that. But typically an elevator pitch would be no longer than two minutes. Um, and it's usually much shorter, usually 20 or 30 seconds. Okay, so so if you think about that as a starting point, um, and, and then we can talk about, Johnny's talked about really part, partly why to have one because it, it demonstrates, it's a first impression that's formed. First impressions are formed in seven seconds. So it, it becomes necessary for a business to really, what we call wow prospects, right off the mark, right from the beginning. And so it's a wow to hear a construction person, for example, talking about building relationships and, and delighting customers and that sort of thing. Uh, so if the first seven seconds don't succeed, um, the rest of it isn't going to matter. And, and, and if you're in a meeting, the rest of the meeting's not going to matter. We're going to take a little break here for a minute, and uh, we'll look to see you back. Stay tuned. Welcome back. This is Hal and Johnny at BusinessWorks, and we are talking about an elevator pitch. Johnny, why? <laughs> 
Why don't people have elevator pitches? Yeah, I mean, just they? a seven seconds or yeah. a two-minute discussion. Why don't they know that? Well, as we all know, it takes much more. It's much more difficult to give a two-minute speech than it is a two-hour speech, because you can wander around and talk about everything. Well, in two hours, your audience is going to be asleep, particularly if you're not speaking about something they're interested in. And most people are not interested in our businesses until they understand how that business can help them achieve their goals. So it's not about us, it's about them. So what we had to do is, uh, in our business, we had to think intently about what is it that we're selling. It wasn't bricks and mortar or concrete or wood. It was a service to people that they could depend upon us. So we were able to give a two-year guarantee instead of a one-year guarantee. We were able to delight the client instead of just satisfying the client. And all of this went back to a to our company where we spent time thinking intently about what it is we do and why it should matter to every client that we had. And it did. Now, we didn't get every job we tried because some people never, we couldn't convince them that there was a difference. They treated all contractors the same. So if Bub and Skeeter were working out of their pickup truck with a plastic sign on the side and they could give them a price that's 10 or 20% less, they thought that was the same price as the one we were giving them, only to find out later that there's no warranty, there's no callback, there's no help, there's no really care if you even get what you want. And so we think we think it's important to to think intently about what it is you do. What is the value to the client? You, I think many people don't understand what they're selling. A lot of contractors think they're selling concrete, steel, wood, and all the things that go into construction, but they're selling a service. Right. They're right. selling a service. You know, that reminds me, too, that even even big restaurants and, and places that are uh, – you know where a manager is doing a doing a job. I talked to somebody recently in a in a big organization. He he was a manager of a local business and didn't get this whole notion. And I said to him, you know, you every single person who works for you that reports to you, um, you need to make sure that they can represent your business interests in seven seconds. They know what the talking they points are. They know what are. they're talking about. You know, yeah. And it doesn't matter if they're waiting on a table in a restaurant or they are serving people in the aisle of a store. If somebody says something to them about, well, well you know, how, how's this company or how's this business or anything that leaves an opening there, that their response should be that little elevator speech. Because it's what people will leave with. It also, of course, is a great introduction when you're starting out with a meeting or you're introduced to somebody all of a sudden on a telephone. Um, it, it's an opportunity, and it's an opportunity for you to plant the seed and have somebody understand what it is that you do and your your attitude about it. Um, how, Don't you think it's important to also understand what your target audience is? Yes. <laughs> because if you don't understand your target audience, you may be using the wrong sales approach. That's right. And it's important, I think, to understand the target audience and that we understand why they should change to us from where they've been in the past. 
I'll give you a perfect example. I was at a restaurant one day eating lunch, and most time when you're being waited on and they come up at the end of the meal, they say, is everything all right? Your answer is automatically yes. Most people, even if it was not all right, wouldn't say anything. They'd just pay the bill and leave and never come back. But this lady said, was your food delicious today? Well, that was a different level. And I, I may have mentioned this on an earlier program, but it just so impressed me that she got what she was doing. She wasn't just serving food to people. She was serving delicious food. And she wanted us to understand that it was should have been delicious. Right. Was it delicious? And it made me think, this is a different standard. She has a different standard for herself. She has a different standard for what she's serving me. And I had to think about it. And what, what, did, it, you, what did you tell me about the uh, Chick-fil-A when somebody said thank you? My pleasure. You said thank you, and, and you got back. What was that? My pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, so, and they all do instead that. Instead of you're welcome. Which, yes. Wh- you're welcome implies that. That I deserved it. Yeah, I deserve it as yeah. your waiter. I'm th- you know. And it was my <laughs> pleasure to give this to you. And yeah. they put they put fresh flowers on their tables at a fast food restaurant. There you go. So what are they trying to say by that? They're trying to say this is not just your ordinary fast food. So, again, first impressions count. You know, the first impression, the first time you go to a business and also just the first time of a day at any time you sit down and you go uh, to be waited on or you are standing in line, that first impression. And I see this so often with banks uh, and I, this applies blanket to uh, literally all banks I've ever walked into, except for a couple locally that I think are uh, uh, savvy enough People don't acknowledge the employees are not acknowledging people who stand in line. And if you, it, it, boy, there isn't anything more aggravating than to stand in line while somebody's struggling with an employee uh, over some issue and to not even be recognized. And the line keeps growing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you wonder how long you're going to have to be there. And you got other things to do. Um, and it's very frustrating. And so, the recognition on the part of an employee uh, as a manager to plant this seed is to have them at least look up and and acknowledge the person who's waiting in line. Even if it's just hold the one finger up to m- indicate one minute, I'll be right with you, or something, uh, that that's really helpful. That's right. Uh, Another example would be when you're standing in those lines and you've got people who are uh, struggling to get somewhere and the next person, the person at the at the other line says, next. <laughs> yeah. I mean, give me a break. A motor vehicle. I'm a person. I'm not a cow. <laughs> and so give me an opportunity to react to that. And I feel much better when they say, Mr. Stites, can I help you? Come over here. Let me take care of you. That's a much different approach. All right. Well, we're going to get to next here in a minute. We're going to ask you to hang on, come back, stay there. Don't go away. We'll be right back with you. Thank you. Welcome back. This is Hal Alpiar and Johnny Stites. We have been talking about the elevator pitch, uh, why it's important that it should be seven seconds and that it needs to wow people. So this is not an easy, quick thing to do, even though it is seven seconds worth of chit-chat or saying it. So one of the things we want to talk about now is how to do that um, and, and share with you some of the experiences that we've had and that we've been reading about that 
uh, ways to get started with this thinking. And it is something you can do anywhere, and it really needs attention. So, so the first thing is to look at the needs of your target audience. Um, that's the number one thing, because how can you explain what you're doing if you don't understand what it is that the prospective customer is looking for or who, who you want to influence to be a prospective customer? And you need to address the why change part of it. Uh, in other words, look at why customers should be doing something different. So that's to keep that in the back of your mind as you get started with this. And, um, Johnny, maybe you could give us a, a couple or three uh, uh, clear in, uh, things that will help to put this together for somebody sitting down to work on this. Well, the first thing is I think business owners have to take time to think intently about what it is they do. Yeah, they Are you selling something? So we talked about earlier. Well, what is it? Is it just bricks and mortar or is it a service that you're selling? If you don't understand that, your clients are not going to understand it. Yeah, and not talk in tech terms. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? right. Unless you're talking to a techie, but but right. to hold back and explain really how how you do what you do, what it is. And we sometimes also start talking about what we do before we ask questions to see where their point of pain is. If you can identify an owner's pain and you can provide a solution to that pain, then you're going to be steps ahead of your competition. Right. So we thought it was important that they understand why it was necessary to put design and construction together. Because once something's designed by an architect, there's no possibility that you're going to change it unless you go back to the architect. And the architects don't know what's the most efficient way to build something. So they oftentimes design things that are nice, but they're really expensive to build. And that hurts the owner. And then they would, quote, unquote, uh, reduce their costs by value engineering, which meant cut out stuff they really want in the first place. So we we help them understand exactly what the issue is, and that is how can we get this project built for the most cost-effective method. So we want to make it crystal clear to people exactly what it is that we're selling. Yes, and, and you've got to do that. Uh, that is, after all, the entire point of uh, a, a elevator pitch. And if you fail to mention what you're selling up front, it tells people that either you don't understand what you're selling, or you don't understand why you're selling it, or you don't understand how what you're selling forms a solution for that person. So you got to make it clear and know what your business is all about and how you can offer solutions directly to address the needs of the audience. You have to make the assumption that whoever you're speaking with is a potential buyer or a potential referral. And so if you get right to the point, say exactly what it is you need to say, take seven seconds uh, and get it across, you've planted a seed. Every time you do that, you've planted a seed. So you may not have an elevator, uh, but you can, you can be doing this uh, pretty quickly. So you want to be able to talk about that solution and, and uh, uh, build on this little elevator pitch. Um, a, a couple of examples. I'll, I'll, I'll I'd like to give you an example. Here. Yeah, yeah you want to maybe join Yeah, we were, we were built, uh, given an opportunity to build a church in Crossville. And it was a pretty, pretty big church, about five or 600 members. And so we ended up the opportunity to uh, – 
talked to them, but it was after they had put it out to bid twice, and they had like bids from about ten or twelve different contractors from all over the state. And the problem was they were uh, over a million dollars over budget, and they couldn't build this addition onto their church because they didn't have the money, and they had they were way over their budget that the church had given them. So the building committee asked me, "Can you?" accomplish what we want i said yes but you'll never build this church the way it's designed this side of the rapture so you've got to make a decision are you willing to look at a different design and they were and i said if you let us design it instead of taking six months like your architect did we'll give you in two weeks a new design and we will cut a million dollars out of your budget and instead of charging you a hundred and sixty seven thousand like the architect did I'm going to charge you 29000 And if I don't do it, if I don't save you the million, if you don't like it better than the one you're looking at now, then you won't pay me anything. I'll give your money back. Okay. we're gonna, I, I have a couple of examples I wanted to mention here quickly. One, uh, they are, there are two statements, the same situation. What I need you to do is think about what I'm going to say here and pick one of the two and tell me which one you think is better. Example one. Excuse me. Hi, I'm Jeff, and I work for the 123 National Corporation. As leading innovators, we're making it possible for businesses like you to improve the accuracy of their transactional record keeping using blockchain, one of the most disruptive technologies today. By using an in-house team, we're able to maintain control over the costs, deployments, compatibility with other systems, delivering the benefits to our clients. That's example A. Here's example B. I work for the 123 National Corporation. We know that cybersecurity is currently a major issue and that businesses like you are struggling to keep your transactional data safe and secure. We're offering a solution using the latest technology to keep your computer stored data highly protected. We're proud to be able to offer the solution for a much lower cost than our competitors, making us the perfect choice. So which did you pick of those two? Uh, I pick B. I pick B. You pick B. I do, too. Uh, example A had all the information, but it wasn't user-friendly. No. And it, was, it, it, it used uh, technical language, and people don't get that. So and it was from the seller's standpoint, yeah, not the buyer's standpoint. Yeah. So, so talk, talk with people as if you were uh, you know, part of their family and, and bring it down to earth. So we hope that you'll be working on this elevator's pitch for your, your business uh, and we'll, we'll look forward to seeing you next week when we're going to talk about uh, uh, the impact of immigration laws and policies on tariffs and trade and all of that on small business and what it means. Okay, so have a, a wonderful week, and we look forward to catching up with you again.